What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Drafting College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Join, as always, on Monday. We got Mello, we got Connor, the gang's together, boys, and we have a fun show tonight, a lot of AAF talk, and I'm as excited as fuck for the AAF. And also, a good... Under the radar interview with Temple defensive lineman Michael Dogby, Mello and I sat down with him, and we had a grand old time, Mello. Yeah, uh, maybe not a name that you're very familiar with, but I think after this whole process, this interview, he's going to be a name that a lot of people start to recognize and move up the board. Yeah, and Connor, we have great news for the people. It's Monday, and that means one thing on Stick to Football. Mock Draft Monday. Mock draft Monday. You sounded like my son, Emma. He's like Taco Tuesday, mock draft Monday. Yep. We got to get it Monday, <laughs> but we're putting a little spin on it this time. We're, uh, we're doing skill players only. So we'll do running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and we will include the quarterbacks. So for everybody that's in dynasty leagues or everybody that just wants an early radar, uh, early fantasy radar, this is the mock draft for you because those are the only players that are going to be on the board. We obviously are going to pair them with teams, but this is just a way to talk about maybe some day two and three guys on offense that we normally don't get to. As I was, I was telling the guys this weekend, I was like, I can't just do the same five offensive <laughs> linemen again. I just can't. Let's do something different. So we also have to make sure that our listeners do not get pissed off at us that Nick Bosa falls down the board. He is not <laughs> included in this draft. Right. Neither, you know, Josh Allen, Rashawn Gary, none of those guys, skill position only. Plus the quarterback. Plus the quarterbacks. I tried. To, I really thought about sneaking in Devin White, but I didn't do it. Uh, let's get <laughs> could this. Have. <laughs> what could have, right? He's gonna play fullback. Uh, let's get some housekeeping, though, guys. I'm very excited, as you know, if you're a loyal listener and you should be, three times a week. We are doing three meetups in March. The whole crew will be together March second. That's in Indianapolis, Indiana at 2D Brewing Company. You can get tickets uh, if you go to the Night Out app or just like check out our Twitter feeds. It's my pinned tweet. Free tickets, free. When you show up at the door, show us your ticket. You're going to get a free koozie. You're going to get a free wrist bracelet. You're going to get a free, I don't know if I said wrist bracelet. We're giving out anklets, guys. Uh, you're going to get a free sticker, and you're going to get a token for some free beverages. It's going to be a great night. We're going to have so much fun hanging out with you guys. If that's not enough, two weeks later, Thursday, March 14th, Mello and I are going to be in Nashville on spring break. And we thought this year we would invite you guys on spring break with us. We're going to be at Honey Fire Barbecue, 160 whiskeys. I think we're going to crash it with a cooler and natty and just have some fun in Nashville. And we'll definitely be on Lower Broadway as soon as this meetup ends. And we will also be out Friday and Saturday as well. So you will probably run into us. No meetups those nights. Those are no. going to be just yeah, maybe for fun. Yeah, nights. may I maybe. recommend you you keep your locations turned off on those. Nights. Oh, do you remember when I did that not that long ago when I was tweeting and you're like, Miller, turn your location off. Uh, oops, my bad. Uh, and then one more to close out the month of March. Mello and I, huge Royals fans. Connor is, he just doesn't know it. I have a picture of him in a Royals t-shirt. <laughs> that's Looks great. That's not true. It's photoshopped. And photoshopped. The Royals weekend opener. It's Saturday. It's a one fifteen game. It's going to be a beautiful day at Kauffman Stadium. We are going to take over the parking lot. The tailgate tour now covers baseball. We will be at that Royals game. Again, uh, free to come to the tailgate. You'll have to buy a ticket to the game, but the Royals suck. You can get in for like eight bucks now. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, again, check Twitter, stick to football, at NFL Draft Scout, at Mellow Esquire, or at Connor J. Rogers, and, and find those details because we do want to see you guys out on the road. All right, four minutes in. Now we can actually get to the show, guys. How about the AAF? I am actually excited. Uh, I watched uh, two games over the weekend. 
my San Antonio Commanders are the best team in the league. I just want to say it. You know, and I'm I think I'm going to go ahead and get on board with you there, buddy, because I watched the games. I thought I was going to be a Memphis fan because Connor's, you know, Christian Hackenberg. I thought he was going to go off. Nope, he did not. <laughs> and I really liked what I saw out of the San Antonio team. Logan Woodside. It looked the truth. very good. They had some very good receivers as well. I'm very excited about this league, and I, I think it's going to work, and I hope it is going to work. We saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of shitting on it, like, oh, it's just another league, whatever. But I really like what they did, and I think this league is going to actually change the way that we see some things this coming season in the NFL. It's great. You didn't have to put up with commercials. You didn't have to put up with some of these silly rules. Kickoffs. And you got to see a quarterback get the shit kicked out of him, and there were no flags for it. And that, I thought it was really well done. I mean, when you look across the board, it's also a lot of the names. I don't think we recognize them just because they were former draft prospects. We watched. They're like actual guys that have had roles in the NFL at some point. So I think the structure of the league is really well done. The pay structure is really well done. There's TV de- deals that clearly the broadcasting I thought was was at a high level. There wasn't just yeah. nobody's calling or analyzing the game. It, it felt kind of like an NFL developmental league, but it was entertaining because the it was very fast paced with the different play clocks, like you guys alluded to, no kickoffs. Uh, my San Diego fleet are going to fit in just fine with my Jets, uh, Mets, and Knicks trio over there because oh, the they, did not look, they, they did not look so good. But I'm just really enjoying the league, and I think it's going to be a nice opportunity for a ton of players to really get camp invites for the NFL this summer if they opt to leave. If you do stay in the league, guys, your salary does increase a little bit year to year. And how about Trent Richardson? Two touchdowns. He's back. Oh, it's the year of Matt. He's back. Texas is back. The Royals are probably going to make the wild card. It's going to be great. You know, the Predators are making the playoffs. Uh, uh, Trent Richardson, though, uh, I've taken so much shit since this dude bombed in the NFL, rightfully so. I was just happy to see him get back on a football field. Uh, Started slowly, but two touchdowns. Wearing those all black Birmingham iron units. They won the uniform. You know they look like? Do you, uh, the Alabama Raiders Sunday? or the <laughs> Alabama Raiders, the Orlando Sharks. That's what I thought too. from any given yeah. Sunday with the all black. Yep. It works for me. I need to see Lawrence Taylor out there like with a neck injury who just needs one more sack to get his to get his bonus. <laughs> the shark out there making plays, man. Uh, so I, I think overall we we all liked what we saw. I, I will say I did. Um, uh, Connor, how was it for you as a Jets fan to finally see Christian Hackenberg in a game and realize that? Yep, he's as bad as we thought. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's not shocking coming into that year. We, we didn't really like him obviously as a draft prospect and just kind of praying that he does something being a Jets fan and he never really did. And you almost feel bad for him because he has a horrible game. And then the one time he throws an absolute dime for a touchdown, it's called back for like legal formation or something. And it's just like, this guy is cursed. Like it'll never, ever work out. But there was a lot of just uh, overall fun moments in the league. Like you said, Trent Richardson, I, you know, it was like I turned I tuned in Saturday and Sunday and maybe it's just because I have no life in February, but I, I thought it was entertaining. I thought that the play calling was pretty fun. The coaches obviously are not nobodies. And once again, this is a chance for a lot of players that once had at least I don't know about promising NFL careers, but potentially five to six year NFL careers in front of them. It's a chance to get back in. I will say this. I don't think Christian Hackenberg is one of those guys. <laughs> he was on the Raiders for like two minutes this off this year. Yeah, but I was. it was great to see like David Cobb, Greg Ward Jr., um, you know, some of the players that we did like. And um, I saw Lance Zerline tweet this, and I'm going to piggyback it. Like if you 
If there's an AAF play and you're like, oh, I wonder what Matt thought of this guy, just tweet his name and draft 400 and my scouting report for them will come up. And you can see like, oh, that's where he had David Cobb. And and this is where you had guys like Greg Ward and some of the other players. So it, I, I was really excited about it. Uh, there's another game kicking off. The Salt Lake Stallions are playing as we're recording tonight. So uh, I, I'm, I'm maybe Tuesday when we record, we'll do a full recap. I could see that. I could see that working. Might as well. I mean, it's football, so we're going to watch it. That's what I would just like to say, like you said, Mel. People are shitting on this league. I would just like to say, man, it's football. I, I don't care if it wasn't. You know what? It's not NFL caliber, and it's not even like good college football caliber, but it's better than some of the games I've had to watch over the last eight years. And this is the first season. I'm sure that they reached out to a ton of guys. They were like, no, I'm all set. I'm going to keep doing my own thing and get ready for training camp. But I think this is going to give players a really good opportunity to get a look at an NFL roster for next year. If you're a guy like uh, Easton Stick and you are going to be a, a seventh-round draft pick and you're going to go be a third or fourth quarterback in camp, would you rather do that or go to the AAF? Where the money's not as good, but you're going to get a chance to play. I think that's going to be one of the dilemmas for this this league is like, that there's going to be some guys who say that of like, and what, because they're set up as a developmental league for the NFL, will they allow people to make that, that jump of, well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do this where I can actually play. Yeah. And maybe we see some of these quarterbacks who don't catch on it on a camp. Maybe they just go ahead. Like you said, sign up for the AAF, get yourself some reps. They kept talking about that on the Saturday night broadcast. This gives you an opportunity. I think what's interesting too, is like, now, how is the XFL going to compete? Cause they're a year behind now. I think the salary structure for the AF, and this is for every player. Players are all paid the same, where it's seventy thousand year one, eighty thousand year two, and then a hundred thousand dollars if you're around for year three. So when you look at this, is the XFL going to come in and pay big money? Are they really going to go after these college guys that just want to be paid right away for a couple of years? I do think that'll be the difference maker for them, and that's something Oliver Luck has kind of hinted at already. So. And just a reminder for everyone, this is the Stick to Football podcast. Exactly. So we now cover college football, the NFL draft, the NFL with a big focus on the offseason. I heard free agency is coming up soon. That'll be pretty big. And now all of these other leagues. And I am all about it. We guys. cover it all, man. And I'll say two more points on the, the AAF versus the XFL. I don't have a horse in this race or whatever Peter tells us to say now. Uh, but I think one thing is. <laughs> The AAF is aligned with the NFL. The NFL is believes in this as a developmental league. There's a game on the NFL network right now as we're recording. That's very important. And I think also, like you said, Connor, they got out in front of this early and football people are running it. Say what you might about Bill Polian. He's a Hall of Famer. He was one of the greater GMs of the last 30 years. The XFL, they, they do have all of her luck, but they still have Vince McMahon. And that would be like a, something that I look at of like, it, if he tries to do what he did before, it's not going to work. And I don't know if two of these leagues can survive. I hope so, because more football is a great thing. Um, that's, that's I guess, where I would put a button on it for me. Let's move on to uh, the transfer portal. It gives us news every week. We can't ever, like, oh, we don't have anything to talk about. Transfer portal. Yeah, somebody will get Got news. It. And this week, it's I think it's huge news because Justin Fields gets the immediate eligibility. And this is huge not only for Ohio State fans. It's huge for every other transfer out there because he, I think, did not have a very strong case. And the NCAA went ahead and said that he can play in 2019. So I think things are looking very good for a lot of these other quarterbacks that are transferring, and maybe they get some immediate play as well. And I want to be clear, this is great for college football. I mean, we have a Heisman race shaping up already. That is Trevor Lawrence, every skill player on his team, uh, Justin Fields. I, I mean... 
this Heisman race, obviously Tua, can't leave Tua out of that. I think this is so good for college football. If you're an Ohio State fan, I mean, how excited. You're going to the Ryan Day era, which I think will be very successful because he's just a great coach, and I think he'll be a very good head coach. With Justin Fields, arguably a top three talent at the quarterback position in the entire country. I mean, he is very talented. He's, I think he's more talented all around than Haskins is right now. And we're talking about him as possibly being quarterback one in this NFL draft class. So to get him and pair him with guys like J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State's looking scary for next year. And thankfully, we're going to see him in 2019. Yeah, and and defensively, they're going to be really, really good next year, too. Always. So I'm excited for Justin Fields. I, I think it's a slippery slope of wh- when do you get a hardship waiver, when don't you? You know, is Tate Martell going to get one? Is Brew McCoy going to get one? And, and I, I will not claim to have read all the rules and regulations around the what allows you to get a, a hardship waiver, but I know a, a lot of people, you know, kind of in the scouting world, and we deal a lot with recruiting coordinators from colleges now, and they were kind of like too, like man, what this is? This is a, a little bit of a slippery slope because if if Justin Fields is going to get one, where does it stop? And I think it, you just let everybody do it. I think everybody gets one free transfer. Like things happen that you don't work out with one university. I think you should get one free transfer to go somewhere else, and you can play immediately. After that, if Justin Fields something happens in Ohio State and he decides no, I want to go somewhere else, he's either got to use a year of eligibility or he's got to sit out. One of the other but you can't just keep transferring. But give these guys one opportunity. These are 18 to 22-year-old kids. Let them have an opportunity to say, you know what, I probably messed up. I didn't have the best fit here, or maybe my coach transferred. Whatever it may be, just give them one blank slate, even keel opportunity. You get to leave for any reason you want. I absolutely agree, Melo. I think you you nailed it. I mean, these are kids at the end of the day. When they're making this decision, they are sometimes 16, 17 years old, and They shouldn't be held to that decision because you have coaches and and people involved with the school leaving on a whim all the time. So when it comes down to it, I I love a model that allows guys to have one, you know, essentially free transfer where they're eligible right away. I think it would be really good for college football because at the end of the day, it's putting the most talented players in a position to succeed and on the field as soon as possible for as long as possible. Mello, we have a very big very good guest today. Very tough. Very tough guy. Our guy, a Temple defensive lineman, Michael Dogby. Michael, thank you for coming on the show and slap me if I mispronounce your name because I've heard it said a couple different ways. So hook me up here. Oh, uh, no, I appreciate you you having me. Uh, but it's uh, pronounced Michael Dogby. Dogby. I was close. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> close. Just like it looks. Yeah, right. D O G B E. It's that simple. Uh, first thing, dude, that we want to talk to you about. We've had your uh, your old coach now, Jeff Collins, on the show. We loved that guy. He's great for us. We actually have a Temple helmet uh, in our office. So big fans of the program you guys have. And, and one of my favorite notes that, that we didn't realize until fairly recently was that at Temple, to wear a single digit, you have to be one of the nine badass, just kick-ass players on the team. <laughs> it's the nine toughest players. I'm trying to think, like, how many curse words can I use to describe tough players? <laughs> How like how competitive is that? Is that something that and obviously offensive linemen are excluded because NCAA rules? But how sought after are those nine numbers at Temple? Uh, it's extremely you know competitive, man. Uh, you know every everybody wants a single digit. Um, it's just a compliment to your hard work and your dedication, and you know just being a tough guy on the field. Uh, you got to be a guy that you know can play ball. You know you got to be a tough guy. So. 
uh, to get one of those numbers is really, really special. Did you, do you have to be a senior in order to get one of the single digit numbers? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, one of my former teammates, Sean Chandler, you know, he, he earned one, um, his freshman year, uh, going into camp and he wore it all four years. Nice. Nice. What do you feel like you did to deserve your single digit? Was there something that maybe sticks out to you that you remember? Uh, you know, just be being a relentless leader. Uh, you know, I was always a weight room guy, uh, you know, so I was always doing crazy numbers in the weight room and, you know, I was, you know, a guy who always, you know, competed in the workouts. And when I just got on the field, you know, how I like to, you know, think people remember me as just a guy who played with tremendous effort and toughness, man. Um, you know, I was always, I played the game one way. And, you know, for that, I feel like they rewarded me of a single digit. What is that process like where they give you, they say, hey, you're a badass. You can get your your single digit number. Is it a big deal or is it just kind of like, like skull and crossbone shit where, you know, you're in a, a cloak and somebody walks into a dark room and hands you a jersey? Do they kidnap you like on old school, <laughs> put you in a van, right? Blasting Metallica, driving you around town. How does it, how they, does that work? Uh, they, uh, they, they basically, the coaches, they, they come together and they, they come up with a list of guys who could potentially earn the number, uh, but they keep that between themselves. And, you know, throughout the year, before the season, they reward them in different ways. Um, you know, it can be after the spring game. Um, you know, it can be during winter workouts. It can be all over the place after summer workouts. Um, but, you know, a lot of the teammates will have, like, a unity council and, you know, coaches will come to people individually. Who do you think deserves one? Who's sticking out to you? And, you know, they'll reward you when they feel the need to. Nice. So you said you stood out in the weight room. Let's just get this out of the way right now. Who do you think you can do more bench reps right now, me or you? I've been asking everybody this. I want to know your take. <laughs> I think I got you a little bit. No, I thought I heard you did 37 reps at 225. I could probably do three. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my uh, rest of sophomore year, uh, we tested for 225, and I did 37 reps. It was, uh, it was a good day in the weight room. Do you have like a goal set uh, for this draft process that you're trying to hit? Uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I have that combine invite, but uh, looking forward to pro day. Uh, I'm looking to have, you know, close to, you know, at least 35 or more, close to 40, hopefully. And that's pretty impressive given, I mean, you see a lot of defensive linemen get up there or offensive linemen. Uh, you're not carrying around the weight that most of these guys are. I think, you, what are you, at about 290 right now? Uh, yeah, I weighed in about 286-287. How is that shrine game process for you? Because like you said, unfortunately, you didn't get the, the combine invite, which uh, you know we just went on a rant about this on a show earlier in the week, that the number of juniors is just making it impossible for a lot of the guys we want to see at the combine. It's impossible to get that invite. So uh, how important was the shrine game to you knowing that like that might be your chance to get in front of all 32 teams and make a statement? Yeah, and, you know, it was... My whole goal, you know, is to to get drafted, um, you know, God willing and everything. But, you know, that that week was really important for me. Um, a lot of people thought I was undersized at 6'2", 270. Um, you know, guys were questioning my size. Um, and they just wanted me to see me up close and personal because, you know, after me getting hurt my junior year, my senior year was really a year that, you know, stood out to a lot of people, um, you know, having my all-time sack uh sacks and tfls and stuff like that so um just showing i can compete against you know what they consider the best of the best was it was a big week um i showed up six three and a half 286 
And um, I was able to run around with a, with a high motor and uh, dominate one-on-ones. Now, you mentioned that a lot of people question your size. And, and one reason being, I think you and I are on the same weight program because over the last uh, eight years, you've put on a decent amount of weight. You were 160 pounds, right, as a high school freshman. And now, as you said, you're, it, uh, I haven't put on that much, but I'm also not a, a I'm prospect. pretty close. I'm <laughs> yeah. pretty close. Last eight years have been rough over here. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, how do you do that? How do you put on 127 pounds, mellow be quiet, in eight years? Because that, like you said, that's a lot of work in the weight room. And, you know, you're a member of the 500-pound club. You're, you're benching 505. I think I saw you squatted 685. So how much of that is just you know, crushing Philly cheesesteaks and how much of it is actually putting in the work? <laughs> um, I think it's, you know, coming in as a freshman, um, I just knew like I wanted to be a great football player, man. Um, you know, I basically dedicated my life to just becoming a better football player. Um, I always told myself, regardless of what anybody thought, that, you know, I'll be in the NFL one day, but I can't be in the NFL on 160 pounds. <laughs> so I just dedicated myself to the weight room. Um you know, I, I was in there every single day competing with the seniors, um, you know, just eating as much as I could, uh, really took a, took a interest in nutrition as well. Um, and then as time went on, you know, I started to put on weight and, you know, I started to get stronger. Um, I was a guy who was always outside running hills and stuff. Um, so by the end of my senior career, uh, my high school career as a senior, I was 235 pounds. And, uh, you know, that was that was just a testament to my hard work and dedication to that weight room. So at 235, were you recruited as a defensive lineman? Did anybody look at you and say, like, maybe you're a linebacker at that point? Uh, yeah. So my whole high school career, I played outside linebacker. Um, and after my junior year, that's when teams really, you know, started recruiting me. Um, you know, schools like Rutgers came around my sophomore year. But junior year it was really when school started to come around. Um, and I was about 230, 235. So a lot of, you know, were looking at me as an outside linebacker. It wasn't until my, um, you know, Temple and a couple other coaches were like, can he put his hand in the dirt? Uh, so my senior year, my, my coach at uh, Par Hills, Coach Albano, he put my hand in the dirt and um, I, I led the state in sacks at 22 and a half. Uh, I had tremendous amount of TFLs and I just had a nick for playing D-line. Um, so teams noticed that. And then I got a couple, you know, late offers, but I stuck it out with Temple. Um, and then when I got there, I got up to maybe about 245 going into camp and, um, you know, showing that I was a strong guy, twist up guy. I moved inside and I put on weight ever since. Is that the kind of role you can see yourself playing in the NFL? Hopefully, is that more of an interior lineman or maybe playing outside on the edge a little bit too? Oh, uh, for me, I'm a... I feel as though what I bring to the game is a lot of versatility. Um, having knowing all the positions from zero to a, to a nine technique, um, you know, I, I feel I, I can play both. Um, at Temple, you know, I, we made it a goal that you have to know every position along the front. Um, and that's what I did. So you, if you put on my film, you'll see me playing a zero, a two-eye, a three technique, a four-eye, a five. I'm playing all over. So I think I'll carry that versatility. All right, let's get to some of the fun questions. That was too much. That was a lot of football talk, right? Being right. A, being a Temple guy, and we asked uh, Coach Collins this when we had him on uh, back, I think right when the season started, and he was political. He wouldn't answer my questions, and we, it got a little heated. So of all the Philly cheesesteak places there in your neck of the woods, which is your favorite one? And uh, you're out of there now, unless you're going to be an eagle. So you can answer honestly and be like, 
John's is the spot or you know what? Wawa has the best ones. Like you can be honest with this and and, and actually pick a place. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my first time at Temple, I went to a spot on campus called Richie's. And Richie, you know, he's the, he's the best. Everybody goes there. I think I, that was where I had my, my, my first cheesesteak in Philly, and it was probably the best. Well, we went to John's, and I'll tell you, we were not that impressed. It was so. supposed to be, like, the best <laughs> cheesesteak around, and we were both really excited about it. It was just uh, just kind of average. Didn't didn't change my life. Uh, what do you feel about gas stations? Because we, we made our trip to Philly this this summer, and everybody talked about Wawa. Is it, like, a big deal out there? What's the, what's the deal with Wawa? Yeah, uh, every, everybody loves Wawa around here for some reason. You know, I'm a Jersey kid, so, you know, I had to come up onto the hype. But I think in, in Philly, in Center City, they just opened up like a mega Wawa where it's like, you know, two stories. So, you know, that's that's the thing around there for some reason. Um, they got everything, so I could see why. But, you know, growing up in Jersey, I had to, you know, really come onto the hype. So are you a Jets fan? Because, like, where you grew up, uh, Morris Plains, is very very close to where the Jets facility is now, um, it, and and a lot of the like players and the the staff they all live out there. You know between like Morristown and Livingston in that area. So are you a Jets fan? You a Giants fan? Where where's it at for you? So I I grew up you know a Giants fan. Uh, my little league coach uh, he he gave me a, a a CD or a DVD of Lawrence Taylor when I was a kid, and um, he That'll said that it. you know you, you could uh, you got to play like this guy. And uh, ever since, you know, I started watching Giants games, um, you know, and fortunately for me, I was able to watch, you know, the Super Bowls they ran against the Patriots. So I grew up a Giants fan my whole life. That's it. That's uh, we always joke that I'm a Niners fan. And it's the same thing. Like I grew up watching uh, Jerry Rice. It's funny that your coach did that because mine would do that, too. And uh, not not Jerry Rice. That wasn't me. Uh, One more question for you, because I know this is like a very cool, rare thing that you got to do. But you were one of eight Temple players that went to Japan for a week of football clinics. How how crazy was that culture change? And then what were they like in terms of did they? I mean, are they as excited about the game as some of the people you see here in the States or were they, they kind of, you know, uh, timid about it? Uh, yeah, I'm excited, uh, especially to see some American football players, you know, all the little kids who come up and try to touch their muscles because they, they haven't seen anybody, you know, as big as us football players from the States. Uh, but they were just eager to learn. I was a tremendous experience just being out there um, because they love the game just as much as we do. Um, but, you know, a lot of the opportunities are small to play. Uh, so we just traveled all over to different universities and, you know, different clinics to help teach the game of football. That's awesome, man. What a great experience. Uh, we're wishing you the best of luck, dude. Like you said, you're an athlete. You're uh, uh, you're tough, obviously, rocking that number nine for Temple. And people can follow you on Twitter if you want them to. It's M. D-O-G-B-E-14. That's easy. That's real real easy. So people should definitely <laughs> hop on there. I'm going to look at that. I followed you just now. So there it is. All right, man. We appreciate your time. Good luck through the rest of the process. And man, we'll be we'll be watching to see what you do. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's Monday. It's mock draft time. Like we said at the top of the show, this is a skilled players mock draft. So do not, you know, go ahead and tweet us. If, it, if you're upset, tweet us. Just 
We could use the interaction. Let's do it. I'm bored. I got nothing to do tomorrow. Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, all yeah. news is good. Tweet news. at us and let us know that our team, your team, wanted a defensive lineman, but we didn't take them. Whatever. You know what? I did notice we are re- really close to a thousand uh, iTunes reviews. So guys, help us out. Let's get over that hump. Just uh, five stars, easy enough. Yeah, make the make the headline. As long as you give five stars, make the headline. Nick Bosa falls the second round and latest stick to football <laughs> yeah. mock draft. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it's a five star, we don't yep. care. Roto World's gonna get all over us. All Right. Connor, you're up I first. I am really excited. Yeah, I stole Mello's Cardinals. Um, I'm, so I, I'm sorry, Mello. I, I hate to do this to you, but I stole Mello's Cardinals. We switched up the order. I'm going Kyler Murray. Fuck it. Fuck it. Let's get this thing going crazy. Cliff Kingsbury, he loves Kyler Murray. Uh, I like Kyler Murray. I think this would be a really fun offense. Maybe trade Josh Rosen for another pick here, and, and let's get absolutely crazy. I just think if you went out and you wanted to make the bold hire, that was Cliff Kingsbury. Possibly the that'll that'll quietly maybe be the boldest move of the NFL offseason is going out and hiring him. Give him a chance to succeed. Go full throttle. Don't just half-ass it. Don't just tap on the gas and slowly drive and, and go absolutely nowhere. So Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury off, offense in Arizona. Let's have some fun. I love it. And like, what else are you going to do right here with Arizona Cardinals? You're not going to take a running back. You have a great one. The receivers at this spot, are you really going to take one at one? Yeah, not number one. Yeah. yeah. So I'm with you there, Connor. I'm up number two because I'm picking for Matt's San Francisco 49ers, assuming he's still a fan. I'm going to go ahead and hook him up. I'm going to take Josh Jacobs here. I think he's a great talent out of the running back position. We've seen a lot of great opportunities with guys like Saquon and how they can make a difference on this team. If you put him in Kyle Shanahan's offense, him catching the ball out of the backfield, I think it gives Jimmy Garoppolo and the rest of that offense a piece that they need and they don't have it right now, especially with uh, McKinnon out. I'm going to excuse myself uh, for just a second. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to put Josh Jacobs on the Niners, I'm a little excited. So uh, just, okay, I'm back now. Uh, I'm up number three. Connor's New York Jets don't need a quarterback. Not a running back here that I felt comfortable drafting, even though that I think that actually is a pretty big need for this team. So I'm going to go wide receiver Marquise Brown. Put some speed on that offense with Quincy and Nunwa there. Jermaine Curse is a free agent. Marquise Brown, I know Melo and I were talking about it tonight, doing some film work. I think this dude could go top 10 in the real draft. So here in a skill player draft, he's coming off the board early. Yeah, speed for days with Marquise Brown. I mean, Hollywood Brown, you don't get that nickname for no reason. So number four, I feel like I've picked for the Raiders almost every single week, but I'm having fun with it because they're a team uh, that needs offense. John Gruden needs his players. Kelvin Harmon here, high floor wide receiver, strong hands, good route runner, Physical after the catch, somebody that would mesh well, extremely well with Derek Carr. I just wasn't ready in this spot to move on from Derek Carr. I think you could be patient with that. So let's go get him some help and somebody that'll be there for a very long time, whether that future is with or without Carr. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that people really liked Derek Carr, that he got a big extension and was a Pro Bowl level quarterback. I think he does just need some help around him. And Connor, you take a guy like Kelvin Harmon right here who has a, a big target for Carr and, and the rest of those offensive guys. I like it. I'm up number five with the Bucks, And they missed last year very badly on taking a running back in the second round. I think they still have a big need at running back. And I absolutely love David Montgomery. Uh, I think he's the number two running back in this class. And I think Josh Jacobs is just something special. But right here in our skill position draft, David Montgomery is a do-it-all back as well. Very good hands out of the backfield. He's a little bit bigger, though. I think he's about 225. Eager to see what he weighs in at at the combine. I think we could be looking at a very special running back, and somebody's going to get him in the second round. 
you know I love him as well. He was a, a player we talked a lot about over the summer is running back one. Then Josh Jacobs came on the scene. like Yeah, because he was buried on the Alabama depth exactly. chart. I love Dave Montgomery. I tweeted about it. It's hard for me to find a true comp for him right now, but I'm somewhere like Melvin Gordon. I know, Melo, uh, you said Sonny Michelle. Like, he's a very good back and a great receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I'm a big fan of that pick. The New York Giants, number six. It's quarterback time, baby. Dwayne Haskins. Uh, this is just a need. This is like actually what they should do in the real draft, not just in a skill players one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could take him right here at number six, and I think that fan base would be pretty happy about it. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be some talk if the Giants have to move up for Dwayne Haskins or whoever they like. So this is a dream scenario for them, especially in the skill players mock that they were still able to get him. So number seven, this was really tough for me with Jacksonville. I wanted Haskins here so badly. But I'm going to go with Drew Locke. Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, my top quarterbacks, are off the board. I don't love Drew Locke, but let's be real. This is still a huge upgrade over whoever the hell is still throwing (laughs) a football over in Jacksonville. My goodness, God. Now, if they go sign Teddy Bridgewater or trade for Nick Foles, I think they'll do one of the two for whatever it's worth. It would be fun to take a wide receiver or a tight end here. But right, and maybe we update this skill mock in April or late March. But right now, this pick is Drew Locke. Yeah, and Connor, he's going to be throwing in jorts in Jacksonville. You know, people he's are the jorts master. That, you can, that feels you can wear so... those jorts all year round in Jacksonville, baby. Feels so Jacksonville. Drew Locke does. I mean, that's the past three quarterbacks that they've taken. Right, Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert. Drew Locke. He's just if his name started with B. <laughs> it would be right there. Yeah, I'm up number eight overall, and I got to take my guy Nikhil Harry. Uh, the Lions did take uh, the running back out of Auburn last year, Carryon Johnson. So they kind of have a running back. I don't think they're looking to replace Matt Stafford right now. So I'm going to give him another big target in Nikhil Harry. They lost Golden Tate. They need some targets out there. So I'm going to give him my wide receiver one. Yeah, they got Kenny Galladay. Nikhil Harry would be fun next to him. Uh, I'm glad you didn't take the next guy. I'm up with the Buffalo Bills. And I'm going to get my man, Josh Allen, some help. TJ Hawkinson, TJ tight end one Hawkinson is what I'm going to call him. I think I saw that on Twitter and stole it. So sorry, but I, I do love his game man. he's complete uh, physical Mackey award winner, productive. He, he Iowa, fits baby. in with the smile with the bills mafia. He just, he's a Buffalo. I think guy. he would not wear sleeves under his Jersey. Ever. He probably wouldn't wear gloves either. He's just bare arm, bare hands out there. That's the way you got to, if you're a tight end in Buffalo, you got to be, he could wear a single digit at temple. That's how tough he is. <laughs> That is the perfect Buffalo pick. So number 10, Denver Broncos going all upside here. DJ Metcalf. And, you know, guys, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he has the biggest spectrum out of any wide receiver in this draft where he could do absolutely nothing because of medicals or just, you know, being a raw talent or he could be an absolute superstar. I mean, he's got the size. He wins at the catch point. He's kind of nasty after the catch. We've seen him win deep. We've seen him win underneath. So The Broncos here just swinging for the fences. I cannot take Daniel Jones in this spot. Hell no. Going with DJ Metcalf. I I love Metcalf, man. He's huge. And like you said, the the broken neck that happened early in the year shut him down early. We saw that offense super uh, prolific offense with A.J. Brown there. They got the tight end Dawson Knox. Like this is a very good uh, passing, excuse me, passing offense. And unfortunately, DK got hurt and just we didn't get to see the the whole picture. But I think if he he's cleared for football, so I think we will see him do everything at the combine and he could really shoot up my board if if he comes out and, and shows the speed to be a playmaker, not just be a big body guy. He, he could be very special, and I think the, the jury's still out on him, or he could be Kevin White, and he's going to go high in the draft. Oh, Mello, don't We will never see him again. <laughs> but 
right there at number 10. I think the Broncos do need some targets. It's getting weird around here because I'm at pick number 11, and I think we've taken almost every single first-round guy. There's a couple left. So I'm going to take a speedy receiver because I'm drafting for the Bengals. That's what they like. They took John Ross at number 9. So I'm going to give them number 11 pick overall, Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. This is another guy that I really like. He's he's going to blow it away at the Combine, especially in the 40. I think his routes will be a lot better than what we saw at Ohio State. They, just, they don't have a whole lot on the route tree there. And I was telling Matt before the podcast, I think Paris Campbell is responsible for a lot of the Dwayne Haskins hype we've seen. He running those crossing routes, he will take a five-yard pass and turn it into 60. I'm not saying it was all him, but it was a lot of Paris Campbell. Just go ahead and say it. Just say it was all him. You want to. You, I, like, you're I your do not like Dwayne Haskins. Like I would not draft him in the first round. I wouldn't do it. But he's probably going to be the first quarterback taken in this draft. I just got away from my mic and let Melo go there. I saw I, a comment. Just, I watched two. I've watched like dove into two games. I watched the Michigan game and the Purdue game. And I thought the receivers for Ohio State did more in both of those games than Haskins did. I think he does a very good job of finding receivers underneath. The intermediate and short game, he's great at. He has no deep ball accuracy at all. And he's got a guy like Paris Campbell who's going to run a 4-3 and can't hit him down the field. Uh, scary Terry McLaren scary couldn't Terry. find him. Scary he, Terry, baby. He works everything on the underneath and then these short little passing routes get they get turned into big plays or screen games get turned into big plays i just don't like what i've seen i think maybe maybe Stephen a's right maybe he's more of a runner than he is a thrower <laughs> oh my god he's, he's on to something <laughs> okay that is definitely a joke he is definitely not i just don't like him as a round one quarterback i'm not going to say like this is a franchise guy that i have to go up and get there it is. Melo just doing random scouting reports in the middle of a skilled player mock draft. I love it. Number 12, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm not going to go quarterback here. I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about just it. Finding that replacement. Thought about it. I'm going to go no offense. Matt's still on his trade Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I am. Thing. I'm not going to get off Months that. later. It's gonna, just wait and see, guys. Wait and see. Uh, I'm like Tony Romo on this. Uh, I'm going to go no offense. Obviously, they have Jimmy Graham, who I don't think is any good at football anymore either. Um, they need to get a younger version of him. Fant is basically like a 225 pound receiver. You can move him around, play him in a lot of different spots. So don't just think of him as, oh, we already have Jimmy Graham. Why would you draft a tight end? Well, number one is a skill player mock draft. And then number two, <laughs> that he could line up really anywhere opposite Devontae Adams in the slot as, as an H back. He's just an offensive weapon for that team. I love Noah Fant. Disappointed I didn't get him on one of my teams. So I took the next best thing here for tight end of the Dolphins at 13. Irv Smith from Alabama, just once again, mismatch weapon, a guy that wins the seam, a guy that's super fast. And I mean, I've seen this is another one. Melo, you were talking about Paris Campbell catching it underneath and going for 60 yards. We've seen Irv Smith do that before. So uh, just a really fun player that Miami's in a weird spot here because they can, you know, look at quarterbacks this year. I do think they wait long term and maybe look at that 2020 class instead. So they just got to add good football players. And that's exactly what Irv Smith is. And I think in a normal draft, I think we could see all three of these tight ends go in the first round. I know with our skill position draft here, we're seeing them in the top 13. That's pretty impressive. Three tight ends in the top 13 of a skill position draft. That's every receiver, every running back, every quarterback. And we're seeing three tight ends already. This speaks volumes about how great this draft is. And I think we'll even see a couple more before we're done here today. Number 14 pick with the Atlanta Falcons. 
Tevin Coleman's a free agent. I think he's going to test that market and maybe move on. So they love that two-back system. I'm going to give them Devin Singletary here. Another guy works well out of the backfield. I think he can pair well with another running back. I don't know if he's going to be the workload, you know, bell cow type running back. He's pretty light, but I think he's going to be a comp back for somebody else. He can come in, take away some of the workload, maybe be a third down back. I need to see him catch the ball a little bit more, but I like what I've seen out of his game so far. I like it too, man. He just, um, I, I think my word for him for the year is juice. He's just, and maybe that should be his nickname. He's, he's so elusive. We were talking about him today, breaking out film. It's just the only thing is he looks like a guy who could catch the ball, but he hasn't caught the ball in college. Right. So it's like uh, Bryce love almost. Oh, don't do that to him. I, I think combines can be big for Singletary. I'm up next to watch the Redskins. Thank you guys for giving me a quarterback. Daniel Jones. You could have him. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> no, that. I wasn't taking uh, it. Thank you guys. I, <laughs> You've heard us talk about Daniel Jones. None of us is really sold on him. Um, I, I do think that his game film is better than his senior bowl was. And I, I think that's just who he is. Drew Locke, opposite. He's going to look great in Jordans. He's not going to look as good on the, on film. But I, I Daniel Jones is going to go in the first round, guys. And I, I really think this is where he could actually land come late April. I mean, I agree with you, too. I Not as big a supporter, not as big as fan, but I do think that he will end up in the first round. Listen, when you have a chance to move on from the Alex Smith era to get the less accurate Alex Smith. You have to take him. So <laughs> I'm just having some fun. Sign Ryan Tannehill right. home for agency. Draft Daniel Jones. Yes. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. And trade for Marcus Mariota. What? Uh, all right. 16 <laughs> Carolina Panthers. Uh, Caden Smith. Stanford. Another tight end. So we've had, God, four tight ends. I think going the top half of this draft. But these guys are good football players. I mean, I think it's almost a guarantee all of them are probably going top 40, top 50 here. Caden Smith, I looked at him over summer, and I was like, this guy could really be a pass catcher over the middle of the field, but he's a better blocker than I expected. So the Panthers, Greg Olson's not going to play forever, although it sounds like he's going to play this year. Maybe look a year early for that replacement. Mello, you are up with the Cleveland Browns. It's still not going to get over the fact that they're picking at 17. It doesn't seem right. It should be their second pick in the first round, but it is not because they have a pretty good quarterback in Cleveland that I absolutely what? hate. Okay. But we're going to give him some targets here. I can't go offensive line like I've wanted to for him. So I'm going to give him a guy to pair with Baker Mayfield and that other strong receiving group they have. I'm going to give him Debo Samuel. This guy had an amazing senior role. We've talked about him a lot. I love the fit here. For our picks, I don't. He will not go in the first round at not pick seventeen. I don't think. But if they, he could find a way onto the Cleveland roster, he's a great fit for what they need. Give him another underneath receiver, or maybe a guy that every once in a while you can throw up the seam. Baker Mayfield would love to have Debo Samuel. I hope he doesn't end up with him though. Yeah, that Did would. Did you guys see his tweet at Arian? Foster? I was going to bring it up. Yes, let's talk about it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's not even like. Yeah, run through a brick wall. Like, it's just weird. I yeah. was like, just leave it alone. <laughs> it, it was weird because the, the Browns, so the people missed it. The Browns tweet out a video, and uh, it's like, your quarterback, uh, your QB could never. could never. And Aaron Foster chimes in, asterisk, would never. And then Baker comes in and says, respected you before this. I get it, dog. You're too cool to show any personality. Everybody's different, though. No need to speak on it, which is fucking ironic, Alanis Morissette. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. You're the guy who's going to come. You don't have to speak on it. 
But let me speak on it. It's the same thing. Can oh, I? you shouldn't get fired from your job and then go take another job. But let me transfer to a fucking rival. I hate everything about Baker Mayfield except for his play on the field. I get it, Cleveland Browns. He's a good quarterback. I don't have any kind of words to say about him off the field, personality-wise. The colleges he went to, nothing about it. I don't like the guy, and I didn't like the tweet either. There you Low go. key, Arian Foster responded <laughs> with a link to a book, and it says number two, my G. <laughs> and number two in the book, because it's called The Four Agreements, is don't take anything personal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know. Arian Foster is just on a, a different level, but I enjoyed the entire exchange, and I, I'm sure it's not our last one from So many uh, people BM were tagging me in it, yeah. being like, look familiar or like. I've never been more of an Arian Foster fan, and I actually kind of liked him as a player. Yeah. Uh, that's just Baker for you, dude. Uh, all right. I'm <laughs> glad we could just sidetrack here. Get me riled up. 18 the show is too normal. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, we needed something. Uh, 18 minutes out of Vikings. I got Hakeem Butler going here. Big target. Uh, Kirk Cousins needs something. Uh, I don't know if your two of the new offensive coordinator is going to be what they need. They need a line help. Obviously, we can't draft any of them here. But Hakeem Butler, just give him a target. Somebody big to throw to in the red zone. They obviously have Stephon Diggs, who's fantastic. They have Adam Thielen, who's fantastic. Put Hakeem Butler in there, and maybe he'll be what Laquan, Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be and never will be. All right, number 19, Tennessee Titans speed here. We're going with Darrell Henderson from Memphis. I mean, goodness, God, this guy, you never know when he's going to go for 80 yards. Really fun player to watch. He had some ridiculous games this year for Memphis against some good teams, too, at times. So I look at this team in, uh, with Tennessee here, Mike Vrabel. I mean, you know he would take defense if he can. He's not allowed to in the skill players draft. Just help the quarterback as much as you can. Those off those offensive linemen, they can really run block. So if you give Henderson any daylight, he's probably gone for six. And I'm I'm excited to see him at the next level as a change of pace guy, a change of change of holy shit, that's fast kind of pace guy. <laughs> yeah, almost like a Tariq Cohen type player. I think he's a little bit bigger though and and brings more of a running threat. I'm up at number 20. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they just lost an A Brown. So I'm going to give him another one. I'm going A.J. Brown here. A.J. Brown reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. They're both about 6'1". They're both around that 220 range. They're not these crazy fast guys, but they catch the ball in traffic. They need a receiver. And right here, A.J. Brown looks nice with the Pittsburgh Steelers. God, he'd be an all-pro. Yeah, that's what they do. Opposite Juju, he probably would turn into something special. Uh, Not fair. 21 Seattle Seahawks, uh, they can't draft running backs. Uh, we saw it last year. I'm not going to try to fix it and, and give them someone here. I'm going to go with speed at receiver again. Miko Hardman, somebody that can move all around the offense. And like Connor said, you want to talk about holy shit fast? This is holy shit fast. Like Miko Hardman is special. Just YouTube this guy. His highlights are fantastic. Electric. And, and Georgia, like the, the crazy thing when you start to watch Georgia film is they had to give the ball to so many people. They had three running backs. You have Riley Ridley. You have Isaac Nada. They had so many guys that people like Hardman just could not get the touches to really showcase his skill set. So I'm a huge, huge fan of his. Uh, and where he is here would be a, a great pickup for Seattle. Totally. I mean, former five star, and he's made the most of his touches there. You watch him catch a screen and just get to the outside, and he's gone. So Whoop. this is a fun player that can win vertically. I'm really excited to see where McCall Hardman ends up going in this draft. I can't see him getting out of the top 60 picks because no. these NFL teams, the demand for speed is off the charts. And this is a guy that is probably going to be in that four, three, five kind of range for the combine. So 
All right, sticking with Georgia wide receivers, Matt already brought him up. We're going Baltimore Ravens. They get Riley Ridley, Lamar Jackson. Listen, he, it's simple. He's got to improve as a passer this year. And Riley Ridley is somebody that's really good at working back to the football and separating on his routes. So I, I love this as a scheme fit. I love this as a landing spot. And Ridley is somebody to me that will be more productive at the next level. I like it, and he's getting a lot of attention, too. Uh, has a popular brother that's already in the NFL. Interesting that he went to Georgia. I'm up next with pick 23, and you know what, guys? Fuck it. I'll stay with Georgia. Let's go with Elijah <laughs> Holyfield. Uh, the Texans have a great wide receiver. I think they could use some help in the backfield, so I'll take Elijah Holyfield right here. Maybe pair him with Lamar Miller or maybe move on from Lamar Miller. I like his value probably more in like the late second, third round type guy. Yeah. If he got a lot of touches at, at Georgia, we might be talking about him as like a, a true second-round running back here, but he's going to be good. I don't think a lot of teams have discovered him yet, or at least a lot of fans have discovered him yet. Yeah, I like his game, too, and obviously, uh, you know he's tough. I mean, his dad's Evander Holyfield. Yeah, he can take a, he can take a hit. And an ear bite. So, uh, yeah, he could take a hit or he'll take your ear, whatever right. you want. Uh, well, I'm up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up the Oakland Raiders. Connor bypassed quarterbacks at number four, gave him his guy Kelvin Harmon. I say no. I want a quarterback. I'm going to take Jared Stidham. Get out of here, Derek Carr. We're going to trade you. Uh, Jared Stidham is Derek Carr. He's just cheaper. I was going to say, cheaper. like that is actually probably a good comp. Jared I comped him to Matthew Stafford, but they're the same guy, the three of them. Like, put him in a room. It's the Spider-Man meme. Uh, I, I like Jared Stidham. Had a fantastic senior bowl. We've talked about him a lot on the show. Uh, a guy who really got just handcuffed by a bad offensive line and a bad offensive scheme. So uh, I don't think he's realistically a late first round pick when it comes to the draft. He's a, a round two player, but someone that I think could be a starting NFL quarterback, maybe even in Oakland. I think he'll surprise you. you think? It's no secret. The Eagles need a running back in this draft. I actually want this next pick to come to life, maybe in like the third or fourth round. So I'm going to do it right here. Miles Sanders. It's funny with Miles Sanders. It's like, he doesn't get the love he deserves because he was the guy after the guy. And when you're replacing Saquon Barkley, it's so hard to meet expectations. This is another former top recruit, a guy that waited to play. And I thought he was quietly very good this year. He always makes the first guy miss. I think he's very active in pass protection. So the Eagles, you don't have to get this home run type running back to effectively run that offense. But if you can get someone like Miles Sanders that can play right away and really be a nice scheme fit, I think that would be absolutely perfect for them. And I think the running back position is almost a position that you need to have some production or you at least need to have a game where you go. Off. I like, agree. Like Sony Michelle last year, if it weren't for the college football playoff, he's a second rounder. Uh, and then, you know, Elijah Holyfield this year never really got the opportunity on the field. And I think Miles Sanders is the same. He's a one year starter buried on the depth chart behind one of the best running backs we've ever seen. So that's hard for those guys. So, but I like Miles Sanders. He's a bowling ball he of a catch, running back, and he can catch. I think he maybe had the most receptions of any running back in this class. So, uh, yeah, I total total package there. All right, I'm up number twenty six overall. I'm going to take one of the guys that we've had on the show before. I'm getting to a point. It's like, who do I actually take here? Who do I want to go with? We're getting deep down the board. This is a fan favorite pick for me. I'm going David Sills V. I love. I loved his interview. I couldn't believe how open he was and laid back that he was. And then I went back and I broke down some more of his game. He literally catches anything thrown at him. It doesn't matter where it is. He's great hands catcher. He can go up top. If he does come out and run the 40 very well, like he says he's going to, I think he's going to be a great receiver. And I don't just mean like this class. I think he could be like potential 
Pro Bowl caliber receiver out of this class if he does show he can run in the 40. I, I like him. And like he said in the interview, he's going to surprise people with that 40 time. So not just a Cooper Cup comparison. Uh, but it does work. But it does make sense. I'm up again with the Raiders. The Raiders. I'll never be able to do that well. We've got them at wide receiver. We got them a quarterback. Hell, let's get them a running back. You guys talked about players getting buried in the depth chart. Mike Weber at Ohio State. I loved this dude as a freshman. Sophomore year, he's kind of hurt. Shares reps with J.K. Dobbins, who sets a fucking school record in his first game. And and then Mike Weber, this year, healthy, plays very well again uh, on a team that struggled offensively. I like his game. I think he has speed. I think he catches the ball well. He's got enough of a build to be, if not a number one back, a very good contributor in a backfield. And the Raiders need all the help they can get offensively. Number 28, the Los Angeles Chargers, since there's a new sheriff in town in San Diego, uh, hashtag all hands on deck, go fleet, tough start. But anyways, 28, the Chargers, <laughs> listen, we know this team, uh, they have a tight end that was a mismatch problem all year, apparently, in Hunter Henry, but I'm going to get them another tight end, it, just in case Hunter Henry gets hurt, in Dawson Knox. That would never absolute, happen. Absolute dog. Matt, I know you were tweeting about him earlier that... I mean, he's way better than the numbers indicate. I fully agree. I think he's a good blocker, good pass catcher. I think he can play right away. So I'm excited about this pick. I think he's somebody that would start for them right away, and he could just do so many things well. Yeah, he does a lot of things well, and I I think he's similar to some of the other guys we've been talking about, man, where he has been overlooked because he didn't have a lot of production and an offense that had to get the ball to a lot of different players, and um, they, they struggled this year, Ole Miss did, but he's a great athlete. He's going to be... You know, 255, 260, and probably running the four fives, low four sixes. So, uh, I, I, like I said, you, like you said, excuse me, I tweeted about him. He's my number four tight end now. So, I, I really fell in love with his game. I mean, number four tight end in this class is really, it's like saying top something. Four, that's damn good. that's oh, pretty yeah. special. I'm up number 29 with my Kansas City Chiefs. Where do you go? They have every thing at skill position. So, I'm going to take a flyer here and go on a boom pick. If it hits, it's going to be great. It might not happen, though. Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma has seen a shitload of injuries. I couldn't even list them all off. Uh, if I put them into WebMD, it would just say you're dead. <laughs> Rodney Anderson can do everything on the football field, though. He's got size. He is like Arian Foster, who we talked about earlier. He would fit in nicely with the Kansas City Chiefs, not in round one, maybe a lot later down the board. But if this guy's healthy, he's going to be a special running back. If he's healthy, he might be the best back in this class outside of Josh yeah. Jacobs. I mean, he's there were so many times where it was like, oh, God, if he could just stay healthy. But you're right. And it just couldn't do it. He's, he's way too fragile. Uh, I'm up again, man, me and the Packers just uh, rolling deep. I went tight end earlier. I'm going to wide receiver here. Uh, Anthony Johnson just continue to give this offense help. No quarterback here that I would like to take. Sure. You though, don't want Will Greer. Uh, I thought about it. I thought about Tyree Jackson. Easton uh, Stick. He's, he's, yeah. I mean, they like those small school short quarterbacks. Uh, no, I mean, I like Anthony Johnson. He's a vertical uh, dynamo. Uh, and I thought that you, like you were saying earlier, Mello about Paris Campbell and some of the guys helping uh, Dwayne Haskins, I thought Anthony Johnson made Tyree Jackson. Like, he he fucking made him. So many times you see him adjusting to deep balls, whether that's, oh, I have to stop, or, oh, my God, I got to speed up, or, fuck, I'm going to get hit by the safety. And he's out there making plays. 
All right, next up, the Rams. Let's get a little more firepower here. They apparently hate Todd Gurley now, so uh, I guess we're going to have to get them another running back. But really, though, here, this is a change of pace weapon, Justice Hill. Somebody in his first two years, he easily went over 1,100 yards. This year, only 930 in you know way less touches. I believe he had 100 less touches or whatever. So he's just an electric player. I like watching him. You know, We always talk about north and south runners, but when this guy goes – sideline to sideline. I think he really can make things happen. He can make people miss. So, and I want to see him as a pass catcher at the next level. And we know Sean McVay can get the most out of his running backs in doing that. So simple enough. This is a draft where teams are just getting weapons, get that Rams offense, one more weapon, and maybe they'll actually score in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And they already have a great running back. So getting a, a pair with justice Hill right here, if he can put on some weight, pair him with yes, Todd Gurley, light. I think he's going to be a very good NFL running back. I loved him at Oklahoma state and, I'm a Texas fan, so that's hard to do. Number 32 overall, the New England Patriots. They're probably going to be picking in this spot for the next 10 years. <laughs> they need some more weapons at tight end, I think, because Gronk maybe won't play forever. I don't know at this point. I'm not betting against the Patriots, but I'm going to give them Isaac Nada out of Georgia. Georgia, we've talked about their skill position, guys. We're deep into this skill position draft. Number five tight end for us. I like what he can do. He's a little bit undersized, about 6'4", 240. But in his first two seasons, he was a great pass catcher. And then I think Fromm realized he had to get the ball to the outside of some of these receivers. So not a lot of production here, but he's got a lot of good traits. A lot of good traits, man. It's just like you said, he's a little small. Um, so you kind of where does he fit? New England, guess what they do? They Oh, this is the one thing you're good at? We're going to just have yeah. you do that over and over and over again until you're the Super Bowl MVP and maybe a Hall of Famer. Maybe. I guess they, people get upset about that. They get heated. All right, boys, that's our mock draft, and that's our show. So thanks again to Michael Dogby for coming on. Thanks to you guys for powering through this mock draft with me. Connor, we will be back Wednesday morning. Lots of news. We got some teams to fix. We're going to dig in on some prospects. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a good week. Uh, let us know. What was your favorite, least favorite pick in the mock draft? My favorite you was, like it? My favorite was Josh Jacobs to the Niners. Uh, of course it was. I honestly, I think mine might be Rodney Anderson. That's a guy I think the Chiefs could actually target, especially if we're going to buy us with our teams. I'll go Rodney Anderson to the Chiefs. I want to speak Miles Sanders to the Eagles. Uh, speak it to existence, basically, at this point. So I really like that one. And I'm curious if people like this. We're thinking of different ways to do mock drafts. Really, the most important point is to introduce new players that we don't always get to talk about. So, you know, give us some feedback. Do you like the skill player mock draft? Maybe it's something we'll do one more time. Obviously, next week, we'll get back to our uh, our normal mocks, maybe throw in some more trades. But I had a lot of fun with it as somebody that always looks to how the rookie class is shaping up for fantasy football. Absolutely, man. Great show tonight, guys. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Make sure if you want the show three times a week, you want the best damn NFL draft coverage there is. Hop on, hop on, hop on, hop on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, get it in the BR app, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there. We'll talk to you all Wednesday morning. 